January 21, 2023. It's what for Pedro show. <laughs>
this way. I can't stop feeling this way. I can't stop feeling this way. Feeling this way. John Coltrane, live in France, 1965, doing Ascension, trippy version, right? Quartet, as opposed to the album, the two different studio, well, two different takes on the same day. With the big band, Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, and I think Joe Brazil's on the flute even, or something. Or is that Ohm? Sorry. But uh, I know the big band, Chikai, Chikai on... Uh, uh, several saxes, uh, Farrell Sanders, all that. And then uh, Mets Ryan Collins with Can't Stop Feeling This Way. Because hey. of those Estonian uh, <laughs> software engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me. Jeff Metz. <laughs> Welcome aboard, Jeff. Probably can hear. I'm not man alone. Jeff, come on aboard. Uh, yeah, Jeff Metz at your service. How are you? 
Am I, am I fucking pronouncing it wrong? It should be Joff and not Jeff. It's Joff, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. No worries, man. You from, from Australia? Meeting. From Australia. No, not from, from That's where I first heard that no worries thing, and I thought to myself, maybe it's just a hyperbole because, you mean, babies being born with tumors? That's no worries? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Don't be too literal. Don't yeah. be too literal. Now, Joff. Please bring your earliest musical recollection, please. Earliest record. Okay, so, you know, I would imagine uh, probably listening to records with my mom as a kid, you know. I mean, um, she didn't have a very cool record collection, but there were a few things that I really, like, resonated with early on. You know, she had, like, a Beatles record and, um, you know, a handful of, like, you know, like late sixties pop stuff, um, you know, like the association and stuff like that. Um, and so, so we're saying just you're like kind of getting into that, like just like dancing around as a little kid before I even thought about playing music. So your earliest musical recollection is your ma's music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I My so. mom likes the association also. And I think I'm a little bit, uh, more down the road than you, but that shows you ma's can have some common, Territory. What about the pad you grew up in? Was there musical instruments? No, there wasn't. And so that's the thing. Like, I think, you know, on the one hand, it's like, man, it would have been great if it was a family of musicians and, you know, the, all the education that you get and the introduction to all these things. I found it kind of on my own. And I think, you know, I guess the upside of that was it was my own thing. And so once I found that, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. You know, like, no longer interested in sports or any of these other things that I was trying. I was like, this music thing, that's me, you know? Let me ask you this. What about in grade school? Were you in the fucking marching band, the choir, shit like that? No, I think, I think, um, you know, it was one of those things where, like, I didn't really try to start playing an instrument until, um, you know, I got, a, like, an electric guitar when I was – probably 13, you know, maybe 12, somewhere in there. Let me go and, before uh, that. Let me so go like, before that. Let me ask you, what was the first record you bought with your own money? Thriller. I so bought Mike a set copy yeah, of Mike Thriller. Jackson. I think it was like Quincy, eight when it came out, something like that. Quincy, and, uh, Quincy Jones produced that. Yeah. Well, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's a great record and it was just all over the place. You know, I mean, that by then I was like listening to the radio on my own, you know, and, and dialing in stations. Well, that I, I asked that because little... when you're a kid, you ain't got a lot of money. So I'm, I'm curious about what you would spend it on if you did have money. What was the first gig you went and saw? The first like big concert that I saw was no, uh, ACDC. I asked you what was the first gig you saw, not big. Oh, um, you know. Probably, uh, remember, it's um, a lot from Pedro's show. There's no hard questions, there's no wrong answers. <laughs> I don't know. The first live music that I ever saw, I don't know, might have first been gig. one of those. Yeah, um, but you're talking about gig that I did or first thing that I saw? The first gig you were at, um, you know, probably like an outdoor thing, like a, you know, a summertime concert. Um, you know, in the park kind of thing. Okay. Um, they, they used to used to do that in Boise, and so you know, seeing live music like that was it was cool, you know. Um, and it was it it made it like approachable, right? Like, okay, you can do this. You can just like pick up a guitar and stand on that stage and make music. See, I didn't have that experience. Me, because my first gig was T Rex, and 
I, until the movement came, I only knew arena rock. And no fucking way could I imagine myself doing that. But when I went to clubs, when the movement came, I yeah. drove up to Hollywood. Then I, then I thought, you know what? I, I remember when me and D. Boone, the first punk gig we saw was the Bags, Sunday afternoon at the Whiskey. And without even thinking, I looked at him and just out of my mouth rolled, we can do this. But I never felt that in an arena rock show. So this is why I ask these kind of things, Joff, because everybody's got a different path through music. And they all lead up to where where we are now. But I think that's a good thing because I think some people are kind of scared. But if they hear other people's stories, so that's why I've been doing this for 21 years, eight months now. It's my trying to pay back to the scene. So let me ask you this. You said you got an electric guitar. How did that happen and when did that happen? Well, um, so, you know, I, I mowed a bunch of lawns for my parents, my neighbors or wherever I could do it, saved up some money. And then I think it was like as a, as a graduation from sixth grade, right. I was now moving into junior high. I think my parents split it with me. So like I had a hundred bucks and they had a hundred bucks and we bought this like Les Paul copy from a pawn shop. I I didn't even have an amp. I just knew that like I had seen this guitar I, you know, it was like a pawn shop that was downtown. I walked by and I'm like, ooh, electric guitars. I should go in here. You know? No, and, no. Um, Me you and know, D. Boone's uh, first stuff was at a pawn shop. Uh, they were $15 each. Uh, let me ask you this. Why did you choose guitar, not bass or drums? You know, um, I don't I know. Th- That's why I'm asking you, John. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, at, at one point, I uh, just in watching a bunch of like, um, you know, one summer before I, I got this electric guitar, um, that Van Halen uh, Live Without a Net, like that, that first tour with Sammy Hagar was on Showtime, like all summer. And so I watched it a bunch, and they looked like they were having a blast. You know, they were smiling. Yeah, but they had a bass player. They, even the drummer was the brother. So why didn't you pick those instruments? I, I think so that's my question. I think because Eddie looked the coolest, you know? It looked like he was having the most fun. <laughs> okay, look, you gave me this music, old Hannah. Let's t- play old Hannah. Well, it was getting tired and hungry. They had to start talking to the son, but they called it old Hannah. And this is what it said.
no more. Oh, oh, oh. Don't handle don't you rise no more. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, my. 
Give it another day 
Cause I need to know What you should have told me years ago I won't judge you, please tell me why But please bring the truth to light I know things get complicated Things get complicated But maybe
from Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off with Mets Ryan Collins, old Hannah. <laughs> then another cat from the Northwest, Ellensburg, Van Carter. We just lost bro uh, Brother Van a couple days ago. I took the Screaming Trees on the first two tours in the late 80s, and he was a bass brother who's beautiful. I remember some gigs we would trade basses, like I'd play his, he'd play mine on those tours, especially that first tour. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah, he's beautiful. His brother Gary Lee wrote most of the songs, but Van was a great uh, songwriter too and had bands after that. like Val's. In fact, he was going to do his own version of Ball Hog or Tugboat, wanted me aboard for two tunes, but we ran out of, we ran out of time. So everybody think of Brother Van Connor. He's a beautiful man. And only double nickels. We only get so much yeah. time. Let's try to pack it in. Add your right. pop after that. That's another buddy I lost. Again, from that time period, maybe before, their Poughkeepsie, New York band. And John DeFreeze was their kind of rudder man. And uh, we lost him the week before, 61. And uh, he wrote me a song for my uh, Missy. I mean, I've been playing one of the tunes he wrote for me the last 20 years, A Big Bang Theory. But he wrote me another one, and we're going to get it ready for the Missy Men out. So we lost two brothers. Remember that, people? I mean, Heidegger is a fucking Nazi, but he did say something. We should maybe spend a little more time in graveyards because we only got so much time, and it's really essential. Uh, we make connects like we do in the arts and music in particular, in this case. Very essential. Uh guy by voice, Bob Pollard. He's got yet another record, right, every other month. This guy's <laughs> prolific. He knows we ain't got much time. Uh, another day to heal. And that's H-E-A-L, people, not H-E-E-L. That's, that's another time we got to, <laughs> to heal. But we got to heal this way. Okay. The Laszlo and the Hidden Strength after that selective memory. Udi and the Urchins, brand new. Doll parts. The Young Liberals out of Tasmania. It's way south, people. Lancaster Bomber. Must have an England connect. Uh, and then Mets Ryan Collins with Complicated. So picking up with Joff... Mets here on his, his journey through life. So when you get this guitar, you're saying you don't even have an amp. But what about uh, getting schooled on it? Do you, are you self-taught? Do you go to a teacher? Do you get lessons? Me and Deep Boom, we try to learn off uh, uh, copying songs off records. Oh, I did, I did a bunch of that. I had a, a, a buddy who got a guitar around the same time his uncle played, so he showed us some songs. And it wasn't until like high school I started taking some lessons and things really kind of took off. Like, um, you know, so it was a combination of that. And I, I, I've been kind of studying ever since. You know, I, I took a, a lot of a lot of classes in college, and then uh, I, I've been teaching guitar for twenty years. Okay, getting a little ahead here. What about so you get this guitar at what age? I was probably 12, 13, maybe. Okay, so you get ready to go to uh, junior high. And what about after school, not graduating, but in the afternoon? The the basement band, the bedroom band, the garage band. Did you do any of that shit? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, man. All through, you know, I mean, probably more in, in high school by the time I was able to, like, get around. You now, know? you probably jammed at the drummer's house, right? usually um you know or who whoever's or was, like, your, was your parents cool did they let you jam there you know they, they were supportive as as they knew to be you know um 
Well, like, like they can they, they can handle the racket, that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they were they were pretty cool about it. Um, you know, I remember having some drummers over, you know, a handful of people over to my place because it was you know it was available, and and they they got it, you know, and they said, all right, all right, you know, so how about between these hours, go for it. And, uh, you know, it allowed me to, to do some of that networking and jam and, you know, there's nothing as exciting as the first time you play with like a drummer, you know? Yeah. Well, what about it? What, the material was, you, were you, uh, copying like me and D Boone off records? Cause that's oh, the way the yeah, fuck you know, definitely, were. you know, just, or, just trying to play or, or like when I met people in the movement, as soon as they start playing, they started composing. They didn't copy off records. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really do that until after I'd been playing for a while. And, yeah, you know, I mean, so, you did so much you did. easier. I just wondered in your story, you know, because it d- develops different ways. I remember meeting, oh, the Black, definitely. meeting the Black Flag guys and the only copy song they did was Louie Louie, you know. <laughs> right. They never copied. And that was such a, a different thing from the way me and uh, D. Boone grew up. So I'm, I'm always asking that question. Now, were any of these bands that did gigs or were they just practice bands? Um, you know, but high school, yeah. And I remember playing like a couple of, you know, like high school. Do you remember the first time you did a gig? Um, yeah, probably at, uh, like a high school dance, you know, um, probably like, I don't know, like 11th grade or something. We got hired for that. Um, Who's we? Was it a band? Um, yeah, a group of friends and I, um. What were they called? Uh, well, it was called Fat John and the Three Slims. And I, I came in and sat in with their band. Ah, so um, it wasn't your band. Yeah, no, no. I mean, you know, I've played with those guys and was never like, you know, a permanent member. But it was cool to see, you know, again, it was like, oh, this is accessible. You can do this. And also, it's, uh, yeah, your first gig. So how did your first gig go with jo- Fat John and the Slams? <laughs> Man, it was uh, terrifying, I suppose, uh, but also so exciting. And it was so cool to get in front of you know, people and let it loose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and what was the material? It was probably fat John and the Slims material, right? Uh, mostly covers. I mean, those guys did a lot. Oh, of they didn't write their, songs. they didn't write their um, own you know, songs. Okay. Like, like old, you know I mean? Like, like Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and Hubert Sumlin. And, you know I mean? They were just going through this big, uh, you know, blues period. I mean, were we were they, all were they learning old, about that at the same were they, time. Were they older than you? No, no, these guys were, I graduated high school with them. Okay, but they were into the old blues. That's interesting. Yeah, it was something that, like, I don't know, like, they and myself, too, you know, kind of got really into that, um, you know, I suppose from listening to popular music and then kind of working your way back. You know, you start listening to the Rolling Stones and then Yeah, I was going to say, all those bands in England in the 60s were heavily into U.S. blues, big time. Oh, yeah, for sure. they, they They kind of finally taught us our own music back <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay uh let me ask you this what about your own when do you get your own group together um in in college um do you go to college for music or is it for another kind of degree well you know i i got a business degree while i was there but i studied music concurrently the whole time i just never finished okay okay um okay. you know it was one of those one of those things where like well tell me wow, about the band oh go ahead the band? Yeah, you said you put together your first band that was your own. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I put together a band after I'd been uh, with another group. Um, you know, I was playing guitar with them. We got a chance to play a bunch of shows. It was really cool. And so then when that 
kind of went away, I started my own group. And, you know, we mostly did just covers, um, especially the first, like, year or so. And we wound up playing a bunch of, you know, clubs and bars and then wound up doing, um, like, a house band situation. So we played three nights a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every week of the year. And, you know, we would do, like, four 45-minute sets, and it was it was like rock and roll college, you know. We, we had – we were able to rehearse there, and we just had to, you know, draw people in, keep girls dancing so the guys would buy beer. And in a way, the whole thing was like, you know, play music to sell beer. You know, like, in a sense, that was it. Well, the soundtrack but, to the bar's life. Yeah. But that well, makes right, sense. But, I mean, it's kind of bartering services. If you can – play music that attracts people then the guy can sell some beer so it's kind of like a barter thing i mean that's how a lot of gigs uh in the early days of the movement happened because you couldn't really play rock and roll clubs there was such prejudice here with right. that situation so do, what was the name of this band um you know it was called grangeville cut which was referring to a shortcut on your way from uh, you know college town to back home okay. there's a little little shortcut on the way yeah and uh, but but no originals or some originals. Well, we started to do a couple of originals, and uh, at one point we talked about, you know, when when we graduated that we would like split to Portland or Seattle or someplace in the Northwest, and then that you know kind of fell apart. I mean, the the chances of getting everybody to continue to after school, you know, move to another town and make that work just wasn't in the cards for us. So I moved out to Portland and started another band out here and, uh, you know, kind of met everybody, integrated into the town, got a chance to play a ton of cool shows, make a bunch of records. And then, uh, gosh, about started playing some music with Mike and Dane uh, and formed Mets Ryan Collins. So what you're saying to me is uh, plans changed when you moved to Portland and you met these two new people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, we really hit it off, you know, and, uh, you know, Mike, Dane and I have this, this other group, um, we'll do a lot of, a lot of covers with like a horn section, a lot of like soul Motown funk stuff. But when the three of us get together, you know, perhaps because we played so many shows together in this other group, writing original tunes happened very fast. You know, and we all have a lot. You're talking about Mets, you're talking about Mets, Ryan Collins. Yeah, yeah, we have another band called Ants in the Kitchen. We've been playing in for years. Well, we'll get to that, but Uh I want to keep the timeline so people can follow us and don't get all fucking mixed up. You know, look, (laughs) Jeff, we're at the end of the first hour of the January twenty first, twenty twenty three edition of the Watt for Pedro Show with you, special guest Joff Metz. Hold tight for hour two. (laughs) January 21, 2023. It's the second hour of the Watch for Pedro show.
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour. Matt's Ryan Collins. Valid uh, La Muerta. That's valid. You can put in parentheses, people, for us fucking hueros. <laughs> us hueros. Okay, Almighty Op, you haunt me. After that, Sam Lockward out of Iowa City with Bad Enough. Annie Livingston with 10, Zoon, 1. And then finally, Mets Ryan Collins, back to sleep. Tell me about when you first, this Ryan and Collins, right? That, 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 that must be their last names. Yeah, yeah. So you, how, do you, how do you meet them? And do you meet them both together? Um, I, you know, I just meet him from around. I met Dane uh, playing some shows, like my band with his band. And then, um, but they're Portland people, the, right? The, they're, they're, you meet them yeah, when you yeah, move just, to Portland. Just from the scene in Portland. Okay. Look, I remember Minutemen first played Portland. There was only one club to play, Satyricon. This guy looked like Carlos Santana run it. His name was George. And D Boone went through the deck, guitar up, you know, <laughs> to his armpits, to the stage. He kept playing. And you know, it was at that gig <laughs> that really blew our minds was, the Wipers guy, Greg Sage, that was really important, a big deal to us, yeah. getting to meet him. Yeah, I think he lives in Arizona now. But anyway, uh, so you meet them just playing around in the scene. But but yeah. how do the two of them get together to be with you to make a trio? Um, you know, we had talked about it, um, and Dane, actually, before we'd ever even played, Dane booked a show for Mets Ryan Collins. Before we even had a name, like I was talking with him one day. He says, uh, hey, man, good news. I booked a show for our original band. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, me, you and Mike. And I'm like, I, you know, I was really nervous. I'm like, well, what do you mean? We don't have any songs. We haven't practiced. What, what do you, what do you, you know, this has only been a conversation. And uh, so anyway, after I sort of regained my composure. Well, I'm just guessing like, well, here, Joff. I'm just guessing. Maybe he's not. I'm just guessing here, but maybe... He was just trying to force the issue. Like you couldn't back out of it. Like, you know, you couldn't make, just well, keep it talk. And that's that's what wound up happening, right? Okay. So, you know, I, I was like, okay, well, what did you call the band? And he says, Mets Ryan Collins. I said, all right, as long as I get top billing, you know. We had a laugh and started writing some songs. Well, uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe he, he was the man with the plan and, Want to bring you guys alongside. Okay. Because obviously he had the notion, and he already knew this other cat, right? The Collins guy. So you were the new yeah. man. Actually, you were the new man. Well, see, we, we already had a band together, like a cover band. Oh, these guys we were, were both already... in that band? Oh, I didn't know that. I thought they yeah, were just yeah. Portland and so, cats. And so we, we had talked about, oh, we should write some original stuff. We'd all, we were all ah, songwriters. See, we're see, all... my mistake was I thought you guys were like on the same bill with different bands, but you actually were in the same band. Okay. Oh, well, we, we have been over the years, but then we started this, this cover band called The Dance in the Kitchen. We played a bunch of shows oh, together. Oh, okay. So this ain't, this is after uh, Grangeville sh Shorts? Uh, range will cut, yeah. Cuts, so cuts. That, that was my band in college. Then when I moved out to to Portland, I played in a handful of groups. Um, but then, okay, uh, I'm, know, I'm, 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 I'm understanding with... now. I'm understanding now. And uh, what was what was that first gig like that he forced you into? Did it go okay? 
it was amazing. So we, we wrote in about six weeks, uh, we, we did five original songs and then I think like three covers to fill, you know, our 40 minutes or whatever. We opened for friends band, but it was, it was sold out. And uh, we had just the best experience. I mean, it was the best, like, first gig I could imagine. Um, it was so cool, you know. And, you know, we, we've been playing here for a long time. We knew a bunch of people. And I think, you know, it was like one of those situations where people were curious. Like, really? Mike, Dane, and, and Josh have a band and they're going to write their own songs? So, anyway, we came out and all five of those songs uh, have been on records now. Well, let, um, let me ask you this. What was the process of writing those four or five songs? Like, did people bring in riffs? Uh, did people bring in demos? Yeah. Did people bring in words? Yeah. Was it a collaboration? I wasn't there, so you have to kind of explain to me. So, you know, I, I would bring in some ideas, or maybe Dane would, something on, you know, on the bass, or I'd bring in something on the guitar. We'd just start playing. And then, you know, we'd come up with an arrangement, you know, in terms of like, oh, okay, well, so let's go into this other part again, and we'll come back to this. I wrote some words. We started kind of fleshing it out. And I think because we only had, I mean, we, we had this date on the books. We had to play live. We, we worked quick. We were also fortunate in that we had played a bunch of shows. We knew all these, all these other songs together. We played a bunch. So everything snapped together like really quick. Okay. I want to play No Days Wasted. No, no Days Be right. Wasted.
show that chunk of music started off with Mets Grand Collins No Days Be Wasted then Hidden Forces Trio with Raul Cantizano All Sizes Won't Fit Orthodox after that which is Sabilla band and they uh, includes the same bass band Bajo Marco Sorato, incredible cat and that song's called Starve Victoria Shen with her red breast piece this is Part eight of eight, so it's the finale. She just got back some big festivals in Norway. And then finally, no, no, no. Ray Shin with compensatory, compensatory. When somebody compensates you, right? Dreams. Finally, Mets Ryan Collins. Say what I'm thinking. Enlighten us to this no days be wasted tune. Joff. Well, okay, so we had we had nine songs in the can, and uh, so our, our, the producer Kevin Hahn suggested that we write another song, you know, kind of a, an acoustic stomp kind of thing, and that we do it and, and like write it and record it at the same time. So we went to this house out on the coast, and we came in with like two chord progressions, you know, like part A, part B. And that Friday night, we got an arrangement for it. Started Saturday morning, we started recording. And we were done with the song uh, by Sunday afternoon. And so that there was no, there was no like self-editing. I mean, like we, we worked so fast that we really kind of captured it. And then there wasn't time to go back and say, oh, maybe we should make this longer or shorter. I was like, you know, it's kind of you know, a little, little nerve-wracking to you know, have the pressure on like, well, you know, what if we don't come up with something? Um, but we did. And it, and it wound up being a song that we really liked. And, you know, it was the title track of the record. Well, well, what the producer think he dug it, right? It was his, his idea to put you oh, in the pressure, yeah, yeah. his idea to put you in well, the pressure cooker situation, right? Yeah, that, that was the thing. And, and it worked out great. I mean, we recorded it in the house. Everything else was done in studios. But this was recorded like when you hear the drums or the guitar or any of that, it was done like 
in a living room or you know in a loft upstairs or whatever we so you recorded all this you've recorded most of the record in the studio and then the producer decides let's try to record not in the studio let's try this house exactly so it was his idea so he must have been thinking he was must have been thinking i'm just guessing here joff but he might have been thinking we need a little more to just set it off right okay that's what I think a good producer does. Supplies a situation. He's not really the puppet meister. He just provides a situation because he's got the perspective. He's not so close. He's not operating the machines like you guys. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I think he was confident that we could come in without a song and just make one. And so well, all I think we he did wanted, there, I mean, think was, he wanted, really... I think he wanted the energy of that process involved with the, f- final piece the collection of tunes yeah yeah it was it was really cool i mean it was such a, a fun experience and you know i mean that's all we did it was so immersive right like we just were in that house together and other than to leave to get food or whatever all we did was listen to music and write music and talk about music um it was a blast well what about the title no days be wasted um, it came. It came after or before? Uh, it came after. Yeah. After we after the music was already recorded. I mean, the the entire thing start to finish. No, a lot of, a lot of people some... I know, and I ask this question. They say they put the titles on last. Now, why I have to start with the title because it gives me focus. So that's why I always ask that question. <laughs> oh yeah, well you know you know everybody's we, got different there, ways, have, oh. but Jeff, I gotta tell you, we're at the end of the second hour, January 21, 2023 edition Wap Pedro Show special guest, Joff Metz. Hold tight. Hour three. January 21, 2023. It's the third hour of the Wap Pedro Show. Come on, Mom from Georgia.
Watch for Pedro Show start off the third hour with Mets, Ryan, Collins, on my way. Then we had Boba Stereo Club with M. Takara, Goletti, Bob Stagner with Evan Libson, Mike Baguetta, doing part two of two for their tune minor, parentheses, green. And then finally, Mets Ryan Collins. I've heard this aphorism before. Careful for what you wish for. Uh Yep. Still holds true. So you said off uh, air that you have some infos on the On My Way. Yeah, man. So I was, uh, I had booked a couple of shows in Amsterdam, like just me and my guitar, right? I was just going to go over there, kind of hang out for a week and play not, a few shows while I was the there. Not man alone. Just me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, uh, I, I got to the airport and they stopped me. They wouldn't let me fly because my passport was due to expire in less than 90 days. And, you know, for whatever reason, I thought, well, I, you know, I'm only going to be there a week. This shouldn't be a problem. I don't want to mess with getting a new passport. My, you know, my trip's so close. Anyway, they wouldn't let me fly. And so, um, or at least into Amsterdam, it was, it was their rule. And so in the airport line there, they basically gave me two choices. You know, like you can either fly to, you know, we can get you um, to Hawaii or we can get you to Mexico. Because, you know, I, I was like, well, where can I go? And the law didn't apply in Mexico. I figured someplace warm, but I had to repack, you know. I mean, all I had was a bunch of sweaters and and my acoustic guitar. So I had like eight hours or whatever to find a place to stay in Mexico, find some clothes that would be suitable, and just turned it into something quite different. Um, And it all worked out. And I, I wrote all the words to that song in the back of a book. Um, on the beach in Mexico. I actually still have the book. Um, it's Please uh, Please Kill Me, the McNeil McCain. Um, one of my favorite books. And I, was, I was rereading is, it, and I used the margins to write the words. Joff, his name is Legs McNeil. And actually, he didn't write it as much as he has people from those days actually speak it. Oh, well, right, right. It's, it's history it's as like... Uh, through, through interviews. Yeah, well, it's it's this new way of telling history. Instead of one guy trying to figure it all out, he just asked people to speak about their personal experiences. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it's, it. It's, it's interesting. You get a lot of different points of view. Uh, James Williamson. <laughs> he didn't dig it, but I thought it was a good book. I thought it was a good book. Yeah. Especially yeah, for those yeah, days, you know, I wasn't in New York City that early and stuff. and Very interesting. And a lot of the the roots of the movement, uh, take place in that book. So that's bitching that you uh, uh, supplemented with your own spiel. That's great. That's great. Uh, look, this tune here, Half the World Away, kind of makes sense. Let's listen. Castaways in a 
music for this edition we had Mets Ryan Collin get into the chunk with half the world away then Matt Nelson live at the pilot light part one March 22nd 2022 scraper papers after that with backyard gullum and then Oregon Mets Ryan Collins so Joff uh, this was this the first time you guys went into the studio as you know Mets? Uh, no, no. I mean, we we did a record in. Okay, so all these tunes, that, all these tunes you gave me, they're from the the latest album. You didn't give me yeah, some, stuff did. from the first. Okay, I thought there was another recording. I, I just wasn't sure. Yeah, there was another album in 2018 called Homegrown. And how would you say they're different? Um, well, the first one we recorded all like well, the first one's days. first. That makes it different. <laughs> well, right, right. No, the, the first the first one we recorded like live to tape, and and it was a it was a really cool experience, and it was it was all about like live to tape, like sort of like a a gig in front of the microphones. 
Yeah, essentially. I mean, we, we overdubbed the vocals, but like all the guitar, bass, and drums were all done in one room at the same time. Right, no right into the studio, almost like a gig in front of the mics, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, so on this this more recent record, No Days Be Wasted, yeah, we did it at a time where like, you know, it was during COVID, there wasn't much going on. Oh, so, so there's a lot of we time. we couldn't play live. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we so we really spent time in the studio and and just tried, you know, more layers of things and tried to get more interesting sounds. And, what 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 about the composition? Know, Did you uh, do that different, or was it the, still the same thing as dudes bringing in stuff and then collabing? Or did you try to make demos on the second album? Um, we we made some demos, like complicated. I recorded a demo of it, um, just at my house, not really intending. To, to even share it necessarily. I was just kind of wrote it for myself. It was kind of cathartic. But you and, play in um, everything, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I used some drum loops and then played some guitar and bass and whatever. Yeah. But it turned out so good, you know I mean? Just like as a song, I was like, yeah. oh, I should show this to the guys. They really liked it. And so we used that, I mean, almost exactly. Um, you know, of course, the guys came up with their own parts for drums and bass. Sure, sure, uh, but it was like kind of like... <laughs> It was kind of like a guide track, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, and, and, and let me ask you this, Joff. Something... Let me ask you yeah. this, Joff. When it comes to the words, do you keep a, like a, a trove of, of spiels or do you write on demand, like I need words for this uh, tune, so I, I got to write them? Or do you have a bunch of like poems and stuff, like I can look here for words? How do you do that? Um, on demand. On demand, but... okay. But but at the same time, you know, I mean, once you hear the music, whatever that sort of leads you toward. You well, know, let me ask you that about let me ask you that about like little licks or little motifs, ostinatos. Do you use like voice memo on the leash where you just uh, say with your mouth? Like, I have to do stuff like this so I can remember them. So they don't get lost in the. Oh vortex. yeah, no, no, my my phone is full of voice memos like that. Okay, and, uh, so I, I find yeah, a lot yeah, of I mean, people these days. That's what they do, you know. So so they'll have some kind of little audio notes so they can refer back to oh yeah you gotta you gotta strike all the irons hot you know yeah but in the old idea. days you couldn't do it as much or, or, or uh do you have uh you said you made this demo at home so you do multi-track recording yourself yeah okay yeah, um i, I noticed I mean, more and more musicians are doing this you know there used to be a huge gulf between recording people and playing people and now it seems like a lot of people who play also record Oh, yeah. Well, I think this you know, is I mean, a good the, thing. The I think it's a good thing. To, I think so, too. You know, I mean, it spurs a lot of creativity and it removes the, the barriers to entry. Right. right? I mean, it's more econo. And, and then you got cats actually hands on. So not so much of a ignorant thing. What, what, what about yeah. let, let's talk about listeners and gig goers uh, getting access to you. Do, do you guys have a, your own web uh, site? Yeah, definitely. If you go to metsryancollins.com, so it's M-E-T-T-S-R-Y-A-N-C-O-L-L-I-N-S.com. Okay, that's um, great. You it's like having your own... Record. Yeah, it's like having yeah. your own fanzine, man. There's nobody in between you and the people who want to find out about you. I think that's great. Uh, yeah. And, and what's the plan now? You're going to tour this album? Um, you know, we've, we've booked some local shows... Um, we hadn't really done anything outside of the state, but we're talking about doing some stuff in the Northwest. 
Um, what about, knows, maybe we'll you know what we call them? You know what we call them here in Pedro? We call them the I five tours. So you do all three right. West, yeah, West Coast states, right? Just right in that I five. And uh, in fact, yep. I've been thinking even for U.S. tours to split them up. I think the next MSSV tour we're going to do, we're going to have two loops. We'll have an I five loop, and then the rest of the country <laughs> because it's, it's trippy. <laughs> it's kind of self contained. Look, sometimes when you get done with the record. You're already thinking of the next one. Is that like you right now? Um, you know, we haven't done anything yet. I wanna, I wanna give this its due, and so we've just been kind of doing some some press and playing some shows and trying to figure out what you know what makes sense coming out of a time where we well, couldn't I, play a lot all. of people. They're chomping at the bit, even though it's like, thank God this is done, and then all of a sudden, man, I gotta work on the next one. So what I'm trying <laughs> to just say to you, Joff, is when you get that next one going and you get it done, this is an invite to you. Come back on the show. Let's play it and talk about it. 100%, man. I'd be okay. honored. Thank you so much. Okay. Absolutely. I want to congratulate you on these two. I can't wait for the third. Tell your bandmates what says hi. And I, really, safe seas for you, brother. Hey, much appreciated, Mike. Thank okay, you so much. Can't wait to have you back. People, it's been the January 21, 2023 edition of Pedro. She'll keep your powder dry.